Uh, you want to find a few places in your Bibles before we get started. We're going to start with Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to also go ahead and find your way to 1 Peter chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of different texts, and I have them on the screen. I'll have them on the screen, but a few of these, I want you to have your Bibles ready to go there so that you can see them and mark them up and, and make note of it in, in your copy of the Bible. And as you're uh, turning there, Ephesians 1, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and then Revelation chapter 5. I'd like to share with you guys an update if I can. Many of you have been asking about Logan and how he's doing and stuff. And so, uh, by the way, I'll take care of the screen. I'll control it from here. Uh, but let me just share with you an update that Logan just sent out yesterday. And so, uh, he writes and he shares. I, I, he says, I think it's about time you heard from me again. With the clock counting down, you won't see many uh, more of these updates uh, before I'm standing again on American soil. But you're not here to read about what's going on with America. If you are, you might want to check your expectations. Uh, I'd hope by now you've come to know what you're getting when you open one of these emails. My work's continued on in Kai as usual. I'm gradually improving my efficiency with Bambara while carrying on with English classes most of the week. I had to make a few concessions simply because I'm the only teacher here at the moment, but it's been positive overall. Though I have a smaller bunch this time around, those who are here really want to learn, to discuss, and to participate in this odd little language-cultural exchange. I don't even understand my son sometimes when he writes. It's been ongoing at a little library when, wherein we convene. Uh, lots of interesting things are happening in Kai as a whole. Uh, for starters, the local airport actually offers commercial flights now. Granted, it's just one flight to and from Bamako each week, but that means the people operating the airport have some work. Uh, Kai feels a little less remote now. Of course, many of Molly's problems continue to persist. There have been more attacks in the eastern part of the country. People are frustrated with the lack of progress, and there have recently been demonstrations in Kai demanding the withdrawal of French forces from the country while praising Vladimir, Vladimir Putin as le savior, the savior. I'll spare you the nitty-gritty of the politics of it all, but let's just say that things certainly aren't boring here. People are struggling to make sense of the cycle of violence that's lingered in certain regions for years. While the people as a whole wrestle with these challenges, individuals day by day face their own struggles. There have been a lot of illnesses lately. Students and neighbors have been sick, their relatives hospitalized. I've had to fetch medicine for local friends from one day and on another, I've had to offer my sympathies to a student who had uh, lately lost someone in his family. It can be difficult being among such challenges, either national or personal, but that's what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? To walk day by day alongside my neighbors, to give them help, to give them a little thing called kanua, which is love. Love's why we do most of what we do, I imagine. 
It may be why you pursue the career you do, perhaps your hobbies, certainly your relationships. This is a special time of the year, the season of Advent, for we remember the greatest love of all. We remember when love descended upon the Judean countryside, laboring under the yoke of an imperial regime, the maker and the shaper of the cosmos, humbled as he lay in a feeding trough, welcomed to the world by shepherds and livestock, and forced to flee the murderous rage of local government. That's the love that motivates us. That's the love I hope motivates me. There are days when I feel overwhelmed by all the ills of the age, but the injustices perpetuated at home and abroad by the petty wrongs that make things just a little more difficult for people I know. I imagine you felt that weight too at some time in your life. But we have received love, so let's give it out in turn. Even on days it doesn't seem to make sense, offer someone a shoulder to cry on. Help a friend out when it's inconvenient for you. Listen to the needs of your community and the world at large and be ready to answer with truth, grace, and insight. Emotions can be high this time of year. And those who struggled or disillusioned, they may need love the most. To quote a certain old poet from northern Italy, Omni, I don't even remember the word. What's it? Do you remember? Yeah, there you go. Omnio winket amor. Et nos catemus amore. What does that mean? Love conquers all. Let us surrender to love. Holy, radically, holy, unwavering, holy love. It's words from Monboy in Africa. It's a joy to be able to share it with you. I ask for your continued prayers for him in this life of service that he surrendered to, knowing with great expectation that it's just a few more months and my boy's coming home, at least for a little while. So March 1st, he'll return stateside. December 30th, KC and Tyler will be on a plane going to Africa uh, to spend uh, a week with, with my boy. So your prayers for them as they prepare to travel Continued prayers for Logan as he continues to serve would be greatly appreciated. And so now that you found your places in the scripture, I'd like to take a few moments this morning to continue our message series so that we can understand our identity in Christ. Last week, we got to talk about how those that are in Christ were both redeemed and were forgiven. We started this off several weeks ago with the realization that if you are in Christ, then you are considered a saint. A saint isn't a reference to dead people. It's a reference to those that are alive in Christ. In week two, we talked about if you're in Christ, then you've been chosen. We wrestled through this concept of being chosen, predestined, um, being adopted. What does that all mean? But but we, we discovered that we were chosen before the foundation of the world, that we might be holy and blameless before him. But here's the thing. We've been predestined not only to adoption and to holiness, but we've also been predestined to receive an inheritance. So we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 11 and 12 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things 
according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And so uh, this morning we're going to work through this realization that we have been predestined to receive an inheritance, which means that, that we are an, an, an heir. You're an heir. And so when we talk about a believer's inheritance, understand that this concept isn't just limited here in Ephesians chapter 1. We find it in other places throughout Scripture. For instance, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, which, by the way, for those of you who, who, who may know and those who, who don't know, Colossians 3.23 serves as the foundational verse for, for what we offer in 3.23 fitness. That's the verse that it, it, it's, it's modeled behind. Which, a little plug for you that are already beginning to think about what potential New Year's resolutions might be for you as 2020 approaches, just know that in January we will be starting a brand new season of 323 Fitness that offers classes on Monday evenings, and we're excited to be able to tell you today that not only do we have classes on Monday evenings, we're also going to offer a class Monday, Monday morning. Monday at 10 o'clock. We know many of you would like to participate in it, but evening isn't your thing, and, and the daytime's more convenient, so we're going to be able to offer something this next year, 10 o'clock on, on Mondays. And so in Colossians chapter 3, uh, that was just a little plug for KC. She told me to, to pitch that for you guys. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Then in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 15, it says, that is why He, and the He is Jesus, that is why Jesus is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sin that they have committed under the first covenant. And so our inheritance that we're going to be talking about this morning, our inheritance, and if we sum it all down into a single word, our inheritance is heaven. Heaven is the sum total of all that God has promised to us in and through salvation. And Peter uses this word inheritance to describe our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's why I have you in 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, look there, 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'll begin my reading in verse number 3. There it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And, and through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. In this you rejoice, no, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, 
though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy in an inexpressible and filled with glory. Then he goes on to say, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I keep your place there, by the way. We're going to come back to 1 Peter in a moment. The word inheritance emphasizes the believer's eternal home in heaven. And here in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter uses a triple word picture to describe this inheritance. He says that our inheritance is imperishable, it is undefiled, and it is unchanging. And so let's just work through each of those real quickly. He starts off and says it's imperishable. It means it doesn't perish. And what does that mean? It means our inheritance does not age. Our inheritance will not deteriorate. Our inheritance does not die. Our inheritance is perfectly free from any corruption. It means it is perfect and it is pure. So this inheritance that we have is imperishable. It is also undefiled, which means it cannot be polluted. It cannot be infected by sin. It means that our inheritance will be without any flaws. It will be without any defect. This inheritance is perfectly free from sickness. It's perfectly free from disease. Perfectly free from infections. Perfectly free from accidents. This inheritance is is perfectly free from any defilement whatsoever. I mean, think about the inheritance that's to come. It is perfectly free from all of our fears and from all of our tears. It's perfectly free from any of life's heartaches and all of life's headaches. So this inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled. And then not only that, it's unchanging. Which means our inheritance is going to last forever and ever. The splendor and beauty of our inheritance will never fade. It will never diminish. These three verbal adjectives that's used by by Peter tells us that our inheritance is untouched untouched by death. It is unstained by evil. And it is unimpaired by time. You catch that? It's untouched by death. Unstained by evil, unimpaired by time, which means it's, it's another way of saying the inheritance that belongs to us is death-proof, it's sin-proof, and it's time-proof. One would think that would get you a little bit excited this morning if you really understood what is yours when you're in Christ. And Peter says in in, in verse number 4 of chapter 1, he says that this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That word kept means it's, it's to guard or to reserve. So the beautiful truth is that this inheritance already exists and is currently being preserved. 
God Himself has reserved this inheritance for the believers. And so the difficulties that we experience on this side of heaven will pale in comparison to the beauty and the certainty of what's to come. And so why does God give us this inheritance? What's the purpose behind it? Well, the reason why He gives us the inheritance is that so that we can live forever as a perfect demonstration of His glory. The fact that God would take sinners, totally wicked, desperate sinners like each and every one of us, the fact that God would take sinners and then save them will cause praise upon praise to be heaped upon His name for all of eternity. Heaven, we will stand in awe and amazement at God's spectacular glory. The glory of His grace. The glory of His love. The glory of His mercy that's been extended to those who are in Christ. In heaven, we don't have to worry about time and, and how long our worship services are going to last. Because in heaven, it's never ending. It never ends. I want to show you some interesting verses out of the book of Revelation that kind of helps to, to paint the picture of what we should anticipate and expect in heaven. And as we're looking forward to that to come in heaven, we should be living that out right now here on earth. Revelation chapter 5 is where we'll start. Chapter 5 beginning in verse number 11. There it says, then I, I looked and I, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and, and thousands of, of thousands. If you want to know, well, how many is that? It, it, it's, it, it's a large number. One that can't be counted. It's so many. Verse 12 saying, with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then he goes, goes on to say in verse 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then it says in Revelation chapter 7, Chapter 7, beginning in verse number 9, says, After this I looked, and, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 11, and all the angels were, were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
I gotta make you alive this morning. I'm working on it. If that doesn't get you going, look at Revelation 19. Revelation 19, 1. Since after this, I, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Come on, say that with me, church. Hallelujah! What does it say? Oh my goodness, you're on life support. Look at the first part. And I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude. So here's the key. Loud voice, great multitude, crying out. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, man. Come on, there's more. Don't just stop. Let's get the whole thing together. Let's back up. Come on. It's back up. Some of you are like, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to fall asleep this time. I can't sleep. This is a good thing. I love having a choir behind me. Hey, by the way, you are all personally responsible for the person sitting next to you. Should they be dozing off, you have my permission to elbow them, to thump them, to punch them, whatever it takes to wake them up. All right, they're going to help you right now. Ready? After this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude of heaven crying out. Man, amen. Amen. Now go back to First Peter. I'm starting to sweat. I feel like I need a hanky today. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that, my friends, is the purpose for everyone whom he has claimed as his own possession, to those whom he has promised an inheritance, to everyone who has received this gift of salvation, our response is that we should declare his praise forever. We should give him praise for the indescribable gift of salvation because we, on our own, have done absolutely nothing to deserve it. And so how do we declare his praise? What does that look like? Let me help you out a little bit this morning. I'll give you three things. Uh, number one, uh, we should declare his praise with our lips. We should de declare his praise with our lips. I'll go through these real quickly. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15 says, uh, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So, so, so we declare his praise with our lips, with the, with the words that we speak. But not only that, we declare his praise with our lips, but we're to declare his praise with our lives as well. And that's why it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let me help you out. Worship is more than just singing a few songs on a Sunday morning. Worship is the totality of our lives. Our worship is, is how we live. It's what we speak. It's what our lives reflect. And we should be declaring his praise with our mouths. And we should be declaring his praise by the way that we live our lives. And then not only that, we should declare his praise even with our thoughts and our attitudes. Psalm chapter 51, uh, verses 15 and through 17 says, Oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with the burnt offering. Then it says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you declaring God's praise in any of these ways? Or better yet, are you declaring the praise of God in all of these ways? When you are in Christ, when you have received His Spirit, then you are enabled to persevere to the end so that you can receive your portion of the inheritance that is currently being reserved and preserved for you. And so even now, we're enabled through the power of the Holy Spirit to give thanks and praise to His name. Even in our trials and in our difficulties, we can continue to praise Him because we have the guarantee of what's to come. We have the guarantee of His promise. And He always is faithful to keep His word. So another question for us to consider real quickly, and then I'm done. And that is, how can someone receive this inheritance? And so for that, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. This time I want to pick up in verse number 13. Verse number 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. According to this verse, there are two things that are needed in order for someone to receive this inheritance. First of all, what's needed is the actual hearing of the word of God hearing it says in him you also when you heard the word of truth so a person must hear the word of truth before they can ever come to a place where they can know and receive that truth into their lives which means oh follow me lifestyle evangelism is not enough it's not enough to to preach the the gospel at all times and and when necessary, use words. That, that saying, that, that's not enough. While it's important and it is necessary that our lives should reflect the truth of God's Word, let me tell you that just living the truth is not enough. 
You have to be willing to, to share, to tell the truth. That's why it says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It does not say, so faith comes from seeing and seeing through the lives of other believers. Lifestyle evangelism is important so that it gives validity to who you are, but in and of itself, it's not enough. We have to be willing to tell people about Jesus. So the first thing that's needed is to hear the word, and then secondly, it's by believing and trusting in Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he goes on to say, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So you got it's not just enough to hear it, you have to hear it and believe. You gotta believe. And then Jesus says in John chapter 5, Verse number 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I love that verse. Let it just linger there. Final question. Have you stepped from death unto life? Having heard the word of truth, do you now believe in Jesus? Do you submit and surrender your life unto him so that he can call you out of darkness and into marvelous light? Do you put your faith and trust in him? And if so, then do you make that transition from death unto life? And if you made the transition from death to life, oh, you've got a beautiful inheritance that's coming your way. So keep your head up. No matter how difficult this life becomes, you might as well just expect for hardships to happen because we're not promised the absence of it in this world. When they come, have the right perspective. Know who you are in Christ. So who are you in Christ? Well, so far we know that if you believe in him, then you're a saint and set apart. You're a saint because you've been chosen by him before the foundation of the world that you might be holy and blameless. You've been redeemed and forgiven. And you've got a beautiful inheritance that is death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof waiting for you. This morning, I'm going to close this with a word of prayer. Invitation is still extended to you, although we're not singing an invitation this morning. For those of you that want to talk about this transition from death into life, the staff and I will be here at the end of the service to pray with you, to talk with you. For those that just need prayer or a word of encouragement, we will be here at the front at the end of the service, and we will stay here as long as necessary so that we can speak and pray with each and every one of you. Right now, I'm going to close us with a word of prayer, and then the choir is going to close us with a final piece this morning. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for sending Jesus. 
to rescue us. God, help us to put our faith and trust in your son. Help us to transition from death unto life. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in and among us. We thank you for the, for the countless hours of practice and preparation that the choir has been going through so that they can proclaim the excellencies of your name this morning. God, continue to move among us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.